All right, welcome to the first ever Dog and Dog, and I guess Mookie's here, so three dogs in a movie podcast. Hello. I'm Phil Daly with my brother Tim Daly. Hey there. And his dog Mookie, who you'll probably hear in the background. Uh, and today we're going to be discussing the 2010 blockbuster thriller Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, starring, as we were just going over in our notes before, uh, a huge cast, led off by Leonardo DiCaprio as, as Dom. Uh, who else, Doug? Ellen Page is in this movie. Ellen Page, got her start in Trailer Park Boys. Hopefully get back to that. But uh, let's see, we got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Marion Cotillard, uh, Michael Caine. Uh, let's see, who else? Ken Watanabe. So it's a heavy hitter cast, for yeah. sure. Characters that we're probably missing off the top is this is our first podcast, but as we get into the plot and into you know theories that we have about movies, we'll be bringing them up, probably going back and forth from their character names to their real names in, in real life. I know I'm more connected to them as like actors, so I'll probably be saying Leo a lot more than right. Dom and Tom Hardy more right. than the 16 other characters that he plays in this movie. Right. So yeah. Uh, just bear with us as this is kind of our first, you know, go at this. But I uh, want to start off by just kind of giving you a quick, brief synopsis of the movie. Um, I myself have, every time I've watched this movie, I've had a little bit of trouble with the plot. So I'm going to probably, I'm going to get out of the way and let Dog kind of give, you know, 30 seconds to a minute as far as, you know, what is going on in this movie and, you know, a quick synopsis of it. Um, D-A-W-G here. Um, so this is a movie that I, I I really liked right from the beginning. I mean, Leo's one of my favorites. Tom Hardy's one of my favorites. Christopher Nolan, obviously, with the Batman series is incredible. So, But this was, you know, of the year, this was the mind-bending thriller that everybody was trying to, A, figure out For sure. what exactly happened because of the, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of explanation and a lot of... Uh, fantastical stuff that happens, but also abstract stuff such as filling other people's dreams with with different characters subconscious. For sure. What would you say the major plot of the movie was? So now, well, with my new theory, the plot, I mean... We'll get into theories later. As far as... So like, it's a heist film. Essentially, it's a heist film. Right. Um, and the, but what they're stealing is they're abstracting information so the the heist is supposed to be abstracting memories and information but it turns into what it, the idea of inception is is placing a dream placing an idea in someone's brain that then roots itself and grows into um something that's acted out and and and, and feeds into reality um so the the target is Cillian Murphy, which we uh, I, I don't know his name, and it doesn't really matter. They they don't focus on character names. Uh, Robert Fisher. Robert Fisher. Fisher, yeah. Fisher yeah. exactly. Yeah. I guess the Fisher Corporation is what they're they're trying to bring down, essentially. So Cillian Murphy's character, Killian Murphy, I think, um, his character is the son of a of a, a billionaire, essentially owns, owns this huge corporation, and Ken Watanabe, who's also who's the funder of essentially the heist. Mm -hmm. He is trying to um, encourage the son of this billionaire to form his own company and to basically destroy the monopoly that it's become. Gotcha. Right. So long, long winded, you know, explanation, but that's essentially what they're trying to do is 
place an idea in this guy's head so the monopoly is destroyed he builds his own company no i think i couldn't have said that any better like every time i watch this movie i i'm both entertained and confused at the same time so i think the movie is it's that plot and it's also kind of christopher nolan trying to explain to us the idea of an inception sure so it's like placing something in someone's subconscious so at the beginning of the movie i think he does a really good job and says you know they're trying to figure out you know what's the strongest you know uh, disease is it is it a bacteria is it a virus is it it, he says no it's none of those things it's an idea Mm, Um, and he tells what's the character's name soto or saito saito which is ken watanabe's character ken watanabe he tells him you know you know the best thing i can the best way i can describe it is don't think about elephants what is it that you're thinking about right now elephants. it's just impossible right like if you say that to anyone it's just it's just the easiest way to mind fuck someone you know yeah, exactly. so sure so i think that, that that was kind of like the best example at least that i got as as far as like what is the idea of an inception so but then but then it just then christopher nolan just kind of goes in he just has fun with it he goes in a dream inside a dream and kind of takes you on a ride where you don't really know at any one point in the movie what level of the dream you're in. Sure. Based off of your own theory. So or can, if, if and this we'll get to this later, if the entire film is a dream. Right. Which is this time around, I actually, well, which again, we'll get to in a second here, but that's kind of my, my, my perception is that the entire thing is actually so Let's dive into that. Let's dive, yeah. let's dive into your theories. Now that we got the plot down, uh, essentially, the movie's cut up into we we talked before the podcast two two halves. The beginning half being it's kind of a trial period for Leo, or mm, that's what's going on in his mind of Soto. Uh, again, I'm going to butcher that name. The entire Leo's time. name is Cobb. Leo is <clears throat> Dom Cobb, right? Tom Cobb. Yeah. Anyways, the- Tom Cobb. Dom I, Cobb. I, I, Cobb. All right. Leo is getting a tryout to pull this heist off for. Soto? Saito. 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 You're, you're racist. It's okay. It's Saito. No, it's, it's not a problem. Right, right. Um, and, and then the second half of the movie is actually pulling off the heist. And so... Or the Inception. Is in the Inception, right. Which is, which is taking place in the form of a heist in that most times Leo's crew is hired to heist things. Mm-hmm. This time... They're, they're being hired to incept someone, yep. which has supposedly never been done before. So that's an important piece that this is also kind of, they're doing this on the fly, which I, I think is also encourages the idea or supports the idea that it's a dream the whole time because they are so ill-prepared right, right into it. Right. Like why first, right off the bat, they go into the dream and although they're these professionals who are supposed to be right. the best in the world, they go into the dream. The first, the first thing is it's pouring rain. It's like, oh, you, you shouldn't drink that wine before you went in there to the, to the scientist. It's like, wait a minute, he's the scientist. Like they didn't think of that beforehand. Yeah, right. So, so I, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, what do you call uh, uh, self sabotaging. So I, huge. That's one thing that I have written down here that Leo. If we're to believe that this, which I think both of our theories is you're going to kind of hear, is that this is just one big dream that Leo's stuck in and that he's making up all of these scenarios because, I mean, he's essentially in every single scene of the movie and we're seeing it pretty much from his perspective. There's a couple of 
couple of scenes from either Joseph Gordon-Ledger or Ellen Page's perspective, but Leo's always close by, so it's almost like he's dictating this entire thing, which makes both of our theories say that this is one, he's just either in purgatory or this is just one big dream that he's well, having Well, they here. talk about being in limbo right. for and, and having deconstructed dream space that pure construction. So what if he spent all that time constructing the entire world? Mm -hmm. So the idea of compartmentalization of his brain is the, is the structure of the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. And he uses physical representations in his own understanding of it, it through the elevator. He's got his different memories compartmentalized physically through this elevator. Um, but what he doesn't understand in his subconscious can't, He's, he's projecting into these characters. So he's, these characters, Ellen Page, I'm not sure about Ken Watanabe, but all, all of the characters surrounding him, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, are all projections of his subconscious to compartmentalize parts of him and to make sense of his new reality, which is limbo right. and deconstructed dream space. So uh, digging more into that, so let's go, let's give three characters and you can kind of explain to the listeners what each part of those, which each one of those characters represents in Leo. The three of which is going to be Ellen Page's character, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, and then Tom Hardy's character. If you can break down which parts of those are a part of Leo in, in, his, in his subconscious or in his thought of himself. Sure. So Ellen Page, I think, is the most obvious representation. He says, I need somebody as good as me in terms of a an architect and if he's the best in the world how how is he gonna i think michael kane is all he gets he finds ellen page through michael kane who supposedly was somehow related to his wife but also like his teacher professor so also clearly like an undefined character right. that's a projection of him links him to ellen page who is clearly his projection of an architect that he he says he can't know any of the the um of the structures of the dreams because then Maul, who is Marion Cotillard's character, who right. is his ex or his wife who commits suicide supposedly um, because she he incepted her initially was the first inception. Sure. So Ellen Page represents him, uh, the, the architecture side of him that he, he doesn't think he can control right the structure of the dreams but in actuality he is because when he's teaching her right he, there all of a sudden he's like i recognize this bridge right yes exactly that's so, a great note <clears throat> so he he notes that wait a minute this is something that a, a part of me that's coming through this character this projection right. and his subconscious notices that so it starts to link on to her mm -hmm. which is again another part of his subconscious right. i agree like when he first meets the ellen page character he's He's saying, uh, you know, how much, like, how quickly she impresses him. Yes. The first couple mazes that he draws are just like these simple things, and he knows what's coming because of the Michael Caine, you know, recommendation. She finally does the circle maze, and he's impressed. Same thing when they're walking around in the streets. Somehow she she sees the symmetry. He 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 shows her the symmetry. And then instantly she knows that there's like these mirrors that can break well, into the other mirror sites. itself is a physical representation of a mirroring of him. Right. So he, he, she's pulling out the mirror, looking into it, and it's him looking into the mirror. It's quite literally a mirroring of him. Right. Exactly. Again, to kind of back up our theory that this is kind of his world that he's already constructed and just kind of out there in limbo. Yep. So before we get too far down the, the part of the design and all the graphics and effects that go into that... Let's go over Tom Hardy. Who, what part of that is Leo 
is part of Leo. Well, there's... He, I, and he's kind of the chameleon, the one who takes on different forms throughout the movie to, so, to, to extract information out of whoever their target is. So one big thing that I noted throughout this entire movie is how fantastical it is. It reminds me of American Psycho and Patrick Bateman when he starts to shoot at the cops and all of a sudden the cars blow up and he realizes, like, wait a minute... A gun shouldn't have blown. Like, wait, what the hell is happening here? Like, all this stuff happens in his brain and is so fantastical and works out just in his in his benefit. Um, that it, I, I, the fact that Leo is never injured in the entire movie. Great, great point. When in fact, when he meets Tom Hardy for the first time at that cafe or the bar or wherever they're at, he jumps off of like a three story. He goes. Hey, there's a tail. This is supposed to be in quote unquote real life, right? Right, now. exactly. Hey, you've got a tail. Again, everyone's looking at you. Which, by the way, they they just jump to like some random country in the middle of right. Africa, like Istanbul or yeah, something like, like that. It feels like a streets of or like, like Middle a, East or something. Exactly, know? like a Middle Eastern. Which country. they just did like that, no problem. Exactly, and jumps off of a three-story building and then gets chased throughout the throughout the throughout the little town or whatever the village that they're in. Going through very like very dreamlike sequences, that part where he's going down the alley and the two the two walls are kind of Train, closing up against well, him. Again, happening in his like he's just narrowly making it out. But also these are trained, uh, well, what essentially are projections, but what we're in our theory, but are trained mercenaries or whatever that are or uh, trained soldiers that should be killing him. There's bullets flying past him. Sure. There's glass shattering. But this is supposed to be in the real world. Exactly. In his and real he's world. not injured right. at all. His okay. hair stays immaculate. Damn, Leo looks fine. No, I, mean, no. I mean, I think that happens in real life. I, I, I mean, mean right, Leo's yeah. hair I mean, just always looks good. But yeah, yes. I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess an important part of my theory is uh, to, I guess, keep things moving because we're 14 minutes in here, which is good. Uh, is that Maul, the the Marion Cotillard character, which is Leo's wife, who plays a huge role in um, in, in the movie, and that she keeps interrupting their plans. Mm -hmm. So I think Ma was incepted into Leo, possibly, or okay. like she and the kids are the idea that he just cannot. He's he's essentially haunted by. Okay, so, so somehow. So, so, so in this series, this is Leo about, dead or is he just in a permanent dream? He's in a, he's down in limbo. So everything is in limbo and he's constructed everything. In limbo, like purgatory or in limbo in like a dream? Like, is this, is this dream machine really weird? Really real? He's not dead. He's in a dream. Okay. So he's in the limbo. He's in the dreams, the unconstructed dream space. Okay. So he's constructed everything, con including all the characters, all the, all the, the, He's architect, you know, he's, he's architect, or he's built all the, the sets, everything. We have our third member here, Mookie. Oh, Moody's a, oh, Moody, oh, he's giving kisses. Nice he's kiss. a good boy. Good, good boy. boy. Um, all right, so before before we get into that part of it, again, and let's go over who Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who do you think? I think it's pretty... So he's like the muscle. Right. He's what Leo, he's kind of like this cool guy, like... Yeah, he's he's the one exactly the muscle, the one really doing all the work. They leave him behind in like the second layer of the dream to to construct everything or to make sure that everyone gets back to the van. Right. Of, you know, literally and figuratively through the through the sequences through the layers of the dream. So I think that one was the most surface. Sure, he's just like the physical protector. 
like of Leo. Like mm-hmm. so, essentially, but also a little bit of the cool guy too, right? Yeah, like he yeah. can't hit on Ellen Page, but his his character can, right? Like it, it, I think that like that encapsulates Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor. Like, he, by the way, Ellen Page is a lesbian, and like Joseph Gordon-Levitt just kind of like. I don't know, he's just a snake. And he's not a snake, Well, but... let's get into that. No, that was one of your notes. Like, well, a hot... T- I, I warn and tell the listeners, a hot take is coming right here, because I don't know if I agree with it, I'm just but... not a fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's just, like, <sighs> the... His, like, acting... His person as a Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes through all of his characters. Like, he's not playing the role. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's involved in the role somehow. <laughs> so, I, it, luckily, he doesn't play a big enough character for to it. Upset me for that long, yeah. Um, but man, this gets me on a tangent here because no, talking it. Go about for it. we got time talking about Christopher Nolan and his casting. Like he loves to cast the same people mm-hmm. in every movie. That's a big part of what Phil and I were talking about during it too. Because we have maybe eight actors in this movie that were also in the Batman series. Right. Yeah. Um, Hardy, Hardy, Michael Caine, Marion Cotillard, mm-hmm. Michael or uh, Cillian Murphy. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, right. What if Heath Ledger didn't die? Yeah, I'm sure he he might he probably would have had a role in this. Him and him and Hardy probably would have had Joseph Gordon Levitt put Heath Ledger in there. Yeah. Tom Hardy, Heath Ledger, Leo on one screen. Those are heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah. It's it just it's just such a shame. I mean, Heath was amazing, but kind of before his time in terms of we appreciate a different quality of actor. I think now, yeah. like a more gritty and dedicated one. Sure. No, that's a great what if. I and I think he would have been the cool guy. I think it would have been that much more obvious. Well, I mean, picture him slicked hair back with the machine exactly. gun. He would have been the cool guy. He would have been the force. He's a little cool. bit bigger than. But he Joseph would have Gordon. like owned the role more, like Tom Hardy owned the role. <laughs> Mookie is looking out the window. <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy owned the role. You know what yeah. I mean? You like you believed. You believe him in the cafe when he's shaking his leg, like. He, right. Whereas uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt thinks he's really cool. Yeah, and if he's going to be like you said, the quote like, unquote muscle, the guy, he's 140 pounds soaking wet. Whereas he's a little bit bigger, exactly, a little bit more of a presence. Exactly. He's more. Well, he's more likely to turn a lesbian to straight. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Like I we're mean, supposed to believe without engaging. So. Yeah, she. Uh, uh, I, which I, I'm, and I'm not a fan of Ellen Page really either as an actor, as an actress. Oh, man, um, dog, dropping bombs all over uh, the place. I mean, I am. And this goes to, you know, Christopher Nolan notoriously being not being able to cast female parts well. And this isn't because I, this is this has nothing to do with the fact she's a lesbian or anything. This is a no. straight up, I do not like her as an actor. And, and as, you know, as good as Christopher Nolan is, every director it's has It's like Gordon their... Levitt. It's like her personality just comes through in every single role. Right. And it's just so – it's such a strong – like Juno, she was great in that because it fit her personality. Mm-hmm. This, I think we were discussing who could have taken her place in a, you know – Sure. You threw out Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. For, I mean, I didn't think too much about it. But, right. yeah, this is – this is 2010, mind you. Okay, so, so we're trying to find of like an intellect that can have, you know, an appeal to the big box office audience. Certainly not Maggie Gyllenhaal. No, no, probably not. Because she was terrible yeah. when Batman Begins. Just think, you know, they just killed her off. And, nor Katie Holmes. So, <laughs> well, those are two other go-to actresses that he uses. Well, that's so I think of the three choices. Maybe, maybe that you know. Uh. But what what you're saying is, I think. 
because of his limited, you know, go-to and female characters, it kind of shows... Or inability to cast female roles. I mean, Marion Cotillard in this is great. She is. She's great. Um, but she, you know... But, again, go back to Ellen Page replacing her. Who could it be? Uh, Amy Adams. A younger Amy sure. Adams. Sure. Or a, uh, a younger... Um, who is the Mara? Kate Mara? Mm-hmm. I think I think that would have been a great fit for this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and they take their although their personalities come through. I think their roles they tend to their personalities adapt to the roles better than say an Ellen Page who has a a stern personality and it just comes through. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, anyways. But but very believable in the intellect role. But sure. yeah, he just sure. didn't quite nail that. If I agree. But uh, I think Kate. Uh, what was it? Kate. Um. Mara. She was too busy doing Shooter, which that will be another podcast for another day. Which, well, how can you give up that role? Oh, God. I mean. We got to do a podcast about Shooter. <laughs> well, any Marky Mark film I can spend a lot of time on. Totally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, stay tuned for the Shooter podcast. But a, a couple of notes just, you know, now that we're about at the 21-minute 20, mark um, that I just wanted to bring up. Um, first off, let's go over the most rewatchable scene. I mean, clearly we're doing this as a uh, – you know, an ode to the rewatchable podcast. Uh, so let's just start off with a rewatchable scene. Did you have time to think about that? or did, What do you mean? As far as like, what's your favorite part of the movie? The, the part, if you were going to go to one part of Inception favorite and be able to, part of the movie. maybe like a 10 minute block and I just mean, watch Marianne that. I mean, Cotillard walking up on Ellen Page, she looked pretty good. I mean, but I mean, in terms of my favorite <laughs> scene, seconds. yeah, it's, it's quick, but I mean, she, she was pretty. Um, but in terms of my favorite scene, I, I mean, the snow... When, essentially, when you get down to the snow level, third the, level, the yeah. third level of the dream, which, why was it snow? Sure. Uh, it's like a bond, it was like a bond level. I mean, like, yeah, like you could take into the interpretation that the first level was raining, so the thing slowed right. down, molecules slowed down, the, the snow, the water turned into snow. Right. I think it's just it's for... It's barricaded the, in the mountains, it's a secret thing. I think, like you said, it's for the watcher so that they, they fully, there's a clear line that, okay, now snow. we're at another level of exception. <laughs> so we, we need to have some sort of drastic change so that, you know, the dipshit in row four who's watching this is, you know, can understand. Right, exactly. This, this First level, complex, we have rain. Right. The second level, which was what? The second level oh, the hotel. was the hotel, right? Yeah, Which exactly. was not Which, fully constructed and it was, yeah, a little bit weird. No, but it was. That's the physical representation. Right. We're you know, indoors. We, the compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also the first, talking about compartmentalization again, first level, they're in the van also. And that once they go under mm-hmm. into the second level, they're in a van being driven around. Mm-hmm. So the gravity's all messed with. Right. And then second level, they're in the hotel. Right. That's the structure of it. Very easy to structure the right. dream. All angular, all, you know, right angles everywhere. Exactly. Just very contained, boxy looking almost. I mean, a great opportunity for some cool cinematography. Very cool. I mean, obviously, they actually, the way they shot it is they actually had a rotating room for some of those right. scenes. We'll, we'll get into that. So then the third level is that snow level, which right. is your favorite scene. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And so, I mean, it's, it's mostly because I have a crush on Tom Hardy being just being badass. He takes this over, is, yeah. This is the Mac and Charlie in me uh, in that they just want to see some action. Right. He's your Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. He, <laughs> Tom Hardy might be the most, yeah, <laughs> most, underrated, most underrated actor of all time. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, Rocky IV. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's just, so I appreciate, again, this, I think it's solely, it's the, I'm the idiot in the fourth row. I just like an action snow scene. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's growing up 
wanting to just see an action movie. Yeah, no, I, 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 that one's certainly one that I had written down. The while that's all happening, it's it, to tie in the cinematography. I think one of the coolest scenes is when there's the agents at the second level chasing Joseph Gordon-Levitt so around the hotel. That's your that your is, scene that you can yeah, rewatch. Yeah, so, but it ties into that third scene too, because technically the majority of the cast is in that third level. And he's, you know, doing the yeomans, the muscle work in that second level, but when everything's going to shit. Right. And gravity doesn't okay. seem, the way that they filmed it, gravity just doesn't seem to be, you know, realistic or however you want to he say just, it. Just, it's like subjective. He just used it when it was like, like, why would they choose to, again, going back to the sloppiness of the structure of it all and why I think the self-sabotaging nature of it all. Like, why would they be in a van? Why would they fuck with the gravity? Right. There's like, why so many like, things. Guys, like... There's so many, con- like, in- con- uncontrollables at each level that it just made for a complete shit show. Yeah. All tied together. But I thought that they did a good job at that, at the second level in the hotel, the, the hotel level of the Inception. And... Like, things are going – things are almost just as bad there as they are in the other two levels. Mm. And there's one guy who's got to navigate it all. Mm. And also, you know, it looks like he's been trained in an anti-gravity machine for his entire life. Yes, like, a very good point. It was, yeah. it was just, it was just you know, well, he's unbelievable. Well, being in the dream space. Yeah. But anyways, but it, it, it's an entertaining scene. It was cool. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. The closest thing I could ever come to it is the Jamiroquai music video where he's doing like the – Oh, classic. you remember remember that? It's of just course. Like, how did he virtual do that? insanity. This takes that to like the three. This, 3D this is back in 1996 when uh, being in a white room and the floor moving would blow your mind. It did, and it did, and it did, and that was well before the Matrix. 1999 and after mm-hmm. the world changed, guys. I'm starting to hang out with some people that are were born in 98, unreal. 99, like people at work. It's like they. They don't remember, like, 99, sorry, movies change from The Matrix and the way things are shot. Um, and also the also the um, the goals of movies are, like, how far they would reach. Like, this is, they went big on this, you it know? It's a, it's a huge, huge. movie, um, which involves CGI, which involves, right. you know, multiple, look, paradoxes. Right. <laughs> they they thought they were super clever making and it. And you know what? The first time I watched it, I did. My mind was blown the first yeah. time I watched it, and that scene in particular was. So um, another thing that was really cool is kind of as I got to take notes while watching this, which we just you know finished almost finished the movie um, was the music. Christopher Nolan he must use the same music. I don't know if he has the director's cut or director's final cut say on this. But for that's I've my never, first note is score is necessary. Yeah. I've never seen a longer build-up score. So for like the first, like we said at the beginning, there's two parts of the movie. There's mm-hmm. the tryout and then there's the execution. Mm-hmm. During it's the the tryout lasts for about an hour as they're kind of pulling the team together and proving to uh, Saito mm-hmm. that they can do it. If you listen, it's it's all strings in the back. It's like you feel like we're going up. Like the music feels like it's going building up anticipation. Build up sure. exactly. Strings are class. Strings are classically used to build anticipation. I've never watched a movie, or maybe I have, and I just haven't noticed. There it, will be blood. Is another one. It's just a complete build up. You can almost line the score up with the with the up curve, and then to the climax of the movie, sure. and then once it once it comes down. Um, but it's just constant. It, it maybe maybe there's a couple scenes where he's teaching. You know, Ellen Page about a couple of things where, where you, they don't have that build up 
No, he definitely, I took note that he uses silence in the background to emphasize that when he does use the big, or like the strings, there's a lot of silence in that movie behind the dialogue if you pay attention. But you you would agree in that first hour, it's all a lot of build up. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, it's lots of build up and then, you know, the pinnacle is when they're in the snow level. Lots of explosions going on. The score matches that with the the big te- um, uh, the big drums that come in and uh, 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 timber timber. I can't think of the name of the, the drums, but um, timpani the timpani. Anyways, um, I'll take your word for it. I, I believe so. Uh, it's a metal drum uh, and Moody. He's barking at some chicken, yeah. growling at some chickens. So we're coming up on twenty nine minutes. Yep. Um, what other points do we have? I mean, I think we touched on, you know, favorite scenes. Casting was, I had to get that out of the way. Casting, yes. The, we made sure we had some time for some anti-Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which I tend I, 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 I like him. Maybe not in this role, but I, so, I definitely. Okay, so what I want to know from you, we're going to go past the 30-minute mark because who cares? Yeah, it sure. doesn't matter. We're making the rules. Yeah, And exactly. we're probably the only people who are going to listen to this. <laughs> I, no, Dad is going to listen to this. Okay. Mom, Mom Mike is checking. Hey, Dad. Um, so anyways, um, what do you think? Okay, give me your synopsis. We've seen the movie. We're, most of the people listening to this podcast have seen the movie. Yeah. So let's not cut it. They're certainly not tuning in What do us. you think? is actually going on. Tell me what what's happening. So if I could put it into uh, as concise as possible, Leo, in my mind... So, all right. The end... Before, let me say, yeah. The end of the movie, he's approaching his kids. Yes. Who he hasn't seen their faces the whole movie. He comes home. He finally sees their faces. The top is still spinning. Mm-hmm. He goes out to them. He sees their faces. The top continues to spin. What is happening? I think that there's at the end of the movie there's another excuse that just pulls him away. What do you mean? That his kids are going to be that age for his entire life. So he has no images of their birth. He has no images. You know what I mean? It's right. only of these, which is why I think it's also implanted in him, incepted in him. I think Ma. Yes. Sorry, but I just, I'm asking you the questions. I think that there's, you know, we we get some sort of fi- finality when he, you know, goes to his kids. But at the same time, that top's still spinning. I think if we were to ex- extend his life another f- even 15 days, minutes, hours, whatever, something comes up where someone's going to need his help again. Well, and he needs to be pulled away from his kids because he, he says it a bunch of times. But now, but his in whole, the movie, sorry. But his whole goal in, was in to get movie. back to the U.S. and back to his kids. Exactly. That's that's his. But it's it's a light at the end of the tunnel that never that he never reaches. Even, even yes, when, he does. And, oh, but even when he reaches it, that'll always be... So what's his motivating factor for living after this? He's with his kids. He's with his kids. But what, what my, my, my hunch is, or my, this is my interpretation and in why I'm not sure. I think everyone is a projection of Leo except for Saito. I think Saito is the one controlling it and in, working on incepting him with Ma and his kids in order, he's a lackey of his. So he has been the, the one incepted into Leo and Leo is working mm. for him. Uh, and that's why he's, Saito's the only one who gets like really injured. If you think about that's it. True. Yeah. And throughout the whole thing. So he's like really one of the only ones who is also like seemingly in control. 
So he's doing things to support Leos and um, their entire process by, again, doing fantastical shit like buying the airline. Like, all of a sudden, he's just making things happen. He's a facilitator of the whole situation. So what's his purpose? Like, is he just he's, someone he's, on the outside he's, fucking with them? Or? He's the one, and also he's the one at the deepest level. He's the old man. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, the thing they keep saying, he's got that that connection with Leo. So he's playing with Leo's mind, incepting ideas, putting ideas in Leo's mind. He's like waiting for an old man waiting to die. Remember, like that yeah, whole. Yeah, it's a beginning. So he's ending, the only yeah. one that I question that's down there with him, but is behind all of it actually in incepting Leo. Okay, but to what end? To be his lackey. But he got caught up in it, and he's down there too. So he's just so his existence. He's is in just the to... he's in the unconstructed dream space with Leo. Okay, so I, he's I'm... been there the whole time, but he's been waiting it out. There's no there's no wrong theory because it's just so confusing and there's so many levels. But I, I guess I'm just a little bit simpler than that. I think Leo's just lost. He he is in some sort of purgatory or some sort of limbo. So he's dead or alive? I think he's dead. And this is just all a construction. This is him being able to go at any, like you said, the if levels. If he's dead, then this all means nothing. Well, I mean, it's just a movie. This is, this is just a theory. Uh, get, uh, but, 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 well, then why the, so who's controlling the top? Why the top? If he's, so there's no top. He's it's, dead, it's him in the but, limbo, but, but just the, going in circles. But the top still exists. Even when he reaches his kids at the end and he, everything comes full circle for him. The top is still going. But why can't that be a figment, a construction of his imagination? Because he's not even paying attention to it. He left it. Okay. So I, I just don't think he's dead. I think he's still being controlled. And, and well, not controlled, but just manipulated. Okay. But anyways, that's my anticipation. That's think, my interpretation. I think it's much deeper. I think you probably put more thought into it than I have. I'm, well, the, I'm just watching it. I'm, if you're the idiot in the fourth row, I'm the guy who's taking a piss and getting popcorn when the when the when the important part's going on. <laughs> because I just don't think it's that. Or to me, I didn't interpret it as to be that deep. I just think everyone exists for Leo, much like. You know, you would be in your own dream. Like it's in your own dreams, it's always about you. you n- you're never a third person in your dreams, and if mm. you are, you're looking at yourself, mm. uh, which is every scene in this movie, mm. basically. So I think that either him, either if Maude was his wife in real life, or if he wishes that 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 Maul was his his wife in real life, then it's it's just everything he's constructing is is something that is just to, to keep him his mind busy. Exactly, but that's what human moment. nature, that's human nature, dog. We yeah. make sense of the world around us and our subconscious fills in the blanks. The, the, the part of your brain that interprets memory is the same part that is imagining your future. So when you think about tomorrow and the things you're going to go through, that is the same part of your brain that's interpreting your past and your memories. Okay, now I know I'm, now I know I'm that idiot in row three because that... This is my head is starting to the, the your brain, your subconscious is filling in the world right now. You're having this experience, you're looking at me, but you're in my new you're my new house. You don't really know all the little things. Your subconscious is just filling it in right now. For so you. I need my totem to so, realize no, that really humanity, here. what being human nature is making sense of the world around you. Okay. And the new reality that he was dealt limbo will be your new reality the deconstructed space he okay. says that in the movie okay so i agree with you on that part that that's his new reality yes. in human nature the brain compartmentalizes and needs to compartmentalize and create and sometimes hallucinate 
characters and places and things in order to make sense. That's what dreams, essentially, I gotcha. think what Christopher Nolan is saying. Yeah. That's what dreams are. No, I, I follow you on that part, and I agree. Life. I just, the next level that you're bringing it into with uh, Saito being the other guy who's controlling things, that's just the part that I, I'm not willing to make that There's jump. not great evidence for that. That's, but but it know. doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's wrong. The only evidence is that, like, everybody else, nobody else is getting hurt, and he's the only one... And he's also, like, again, facilitating so much of it, whereas Leo seemingly is facilitating the rest. Mm -hmm. um, he's overlooking um, the Tom Hardy, Ellen Page, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's overlooking all of their processes, okay. where Ken Watanabe's character, Saito, is off on his own allowing these things to happen. Okay. He's an, he's an influencer. Cool. I, I think the, the listeners can probably decipher that in... I'm sure people who are listening have their own. There's so many different avenues and theories that you can have. Which is why this was probably a good one to start out with. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, we also discussed. There's a lot to talk about. We also discussed, we were really going to do Inception or Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd love to do that uh, one in the future, we, too. We might have to. But I it mean, won't, probably not as much theory behind uh, in that podcast. Yeah, I mean, we didn't want to tackle the topic of blackface. Yeah, or, too uh, soon. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we uh, we decided to go with Inception just because there is it's all interpretation um, and your own perception, yeah. I guess. So another fun thing that we we wanted to do was try to think about if we if we were in this world and if we needed to get back to reality, what our to what our personal totems would be. Oh, so in right. to give you an, an example, in in the movie, Leo's totem is that spinning top. He knows the weight. He knows the feel. He knows exactly when it's going to drop and hit the table. Mm. It, it centers him. It kind of recalibrates him into his quote unquote reality. So, Doc, if you had to have a totem, say we were just kind of out there in the ethos in the limbo, and you needed to know what was real, what would your totem item be? That's a tough one. I think you. I've been thinking about it. I'm gonna have to think about it while you answer because I initially went with like the little pen I carry around with me all the time. Yeah. For writing, right? Right. Yeah. For writing. <laughs> uh, yeah, relaxing writing. Uh, anyways, uh, so I know the weight of that, but that's also, it's a factory-made thing that a lot of people know the weight of. Ellen Page carves out her own because she specifically knows the weight. Yeah. So it has to be something pretty personal to me, but I think you have an idea, it sounds like. Um, so I thought about it, and like by my desk I keep a golf ball that I, you know, so I'm just kind of on conference calls. Factory-made, though. Somebody else could know well, the weight of that. Yeah, so it's a specific, a specific golf ball that if you, you know, those who golf know that there are different weights and different feels of different types of balls. This is a Titleist one. Oh, are the third member of our party is being let out. I'm just putting them on the lead here. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's a a Titleist uh, velocity that I just kind of spiral around at my desk every single day. I, I just know the feel of that, like subconsciously because it's in my hand and it's I'm rolling it around. So right, right. I All think right. it would be something like that. There's also little markers on it and dimples okay. that I study every single – and it's so intricate that someone else getting that perfectly right I think would be tough. Like right. the weight, the feel, you know, the little scars that are on it. So I think that that would be it. Um, if I could have if I could have Mookie with me the whole time. Yeah, I, sure. There you go. It's like it's, I know exactly – like I would know exactly – You'd like, have to fit it in your pocket. Essentially yeah, like we yeah. have to find something – what well, if you're sharing dream space with an animal too? I don't think. True. That's there's a, there's a, oh man there's so many ideas about the dream space that I think that could be explored further in terms of like 
the way that they approach this, like they use music a lot in the dream space. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea of um, water, the idea of drinking champagne influencing. So, and, and again, going back to the sloppiness and how they set everything up, if they could control this guy's entire environment and if they're the, where they first start above the first level of dreaming, if they, they could just like give all these great smells or like really cool, you know what I mean? They yeah. totally could have introduce some cool music to make him feel a certain way. Right. They could have gone into like this, the, the, the psychological aspects of dreaming, the things that influence you from the outside while you're sure. sleeping. Yeah. Um, Tom York of Radiohead actually is doing a sleep study where he, uh, he plays different tones and cool. different things to see how it influences people's dreams. Anyway, it's just, that's a side. No, note. right. No, it's a good point. They, they go into, they go into touch, sight, and sound, but they could have even gone into smell, taste. Smell. Right. Great, great point. Yeah. Maybe you find something, you know, that he, his mother made, which they never talked about his mother. And then we're talking about Killian mm -hmm. Murphy's character, who is the target of the Inception. Right. Yep. Um, and being able to influence his character through dreams, um, or, or through external influence on his dream, inside his dream world. Um. So anyways, they're, they're fascinating ideas. Um, mm -hmm. Here's a question that I have, I guess, before I thought of it or before we went into it all, I want to ask you, do you dream? Of course, yeah. What do you dream about? So it's funny, like I was telling Chris, Crystal this the other day, uh, we unfortunately just lost our fourth member of our party, Charlie, mm -hmm. and I actually had a dream. Good boy. Very good boy. I just had a dream of Charlie coming to visit me in my dream. And this, uh. this was more than just kind of like a feeling type thing. The dream was he was, uh, uh, we were up at the lake and Charlie just appeared. We usually stay at the green room, in the green room, Crystal and I. And Charlie just appeared on the bed. Hmm. And I, you know, on the bed, anytime you go to pet him, he'd lean over and he'd get to pet his stomach. So not only was it a sight, sound, it, 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 you felt it? I felt it. I oh. actually felt it. It was like one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had. Mm. So that, I mean, that's just at the top of my mind is, is something that I most recently had. But but yeah, I, I do dream. And only if a dream kind of like, if I can remember it fully the next day, do I really try to incorporate it into like, okay, what does this mean? Mm. This one's easy. I, I think Charlie... I'm not extremely spiritual. I think Charlie was coming to visit me. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd talk to some of our aunts and uncles, and uh, they could tell you similar experiences of, say, Grandma and Marie coming to visit soon thereafter. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of people have experiences like that. But uh, So I know you dream, too. Like Sure. Uh, my dreaming oh, is... I, is a whole different thing. I have a really active dream world. Right. Do you have enough time for this? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, no, but just give an example of a most recent well, dream. There's, well, because I've messed, I've lucid dreamed before, which is your conscious in your dream space. So you're aware that you're dreaming. I've had those dreams, yeah. So you're, you've had lucid dreams? I've had before. dreams where I'm very, very well aware that I'm conscious. Dream. You're, well, yeah. it takes a lot of focus. And I actually do meditations focused on lucid yeah. dreaming just because it's fascinating. Um, but I haven't been able to achieve that state for a while because my brain is constructing spaces using West. Okay. Using West high school. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, but give us an example as far as like the last dream that you did have that you remember, whether it was a lucid dream or just a normal dream. I haven't lucid dream in a long time. Okay. I'm so trying to norm achieve lucid. normal dream that like hit you and 
you know, you might have woke up saying like, was that a, was that a well, scene from Inception? I'm trying to recount my, or... so again, I'm, I'm really focused on my dream state in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. It's a weird <laughs> thing I do, personal thing I do. Um, so I recount my dreams all the time. And you're asking a, a recent dream. So I use West High School as, okay. as a really talk about physical spaces to compartmentalize things sure. and emotional times. Yep. This would be the hotel, the hotel dream. Boom. Right? Nailed it. Uh, and West High School math class, the third floor. So I can, in my mind right now, go through, like I'm in homeroom, stuff like that. And I can go through in my mind and, and go there, but it's not, the rest of it's not constructed. It's almost like I can't remember what West High School looks like. Right. But then I think about my normal, like if, if I were to walk in there right now, I could do it. Sure, yeah. And remember it. But in my dream, it's using West High, which maybe, again, use it, my subconscious is filling in a lot of stuff. I don't even remember... Well, I do remember the lockers were gray. Anyways, mm. a lot of stuff is useful. Um, what does it mean? There's nothing so specific that happens. I, it's, 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 uh, I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of different places, old landscaping places that I went to appear. Um, I think it's just your brain exercising. Yeah. You know, Com a lot of times. common settings. I, I do that too. I mean, West is definitely it one. It doesn't where... have to, not everything has to have meaning, although the Charlie dream. Of course, it has meaning. No, it doesn't need to be meaning, but I guess well, what we're trying to more portray... It's meaning, so it does. Well, yeah, but I'm saying not all dreams need to. I agree. The, what I think what you're portraying is that type of dream where you're in a familiar setting. Not all the pieces are there, but like you've been in that place, whether it's your high school, whether it's mm -hmm. our old house up on the top of Beaver Brook. Yeah, which I have no recollection. Well, no, you wouldn't. You're two months old. Mm -hmm. And... Or, or, you know, like a college dorm room or whatever. Right. Like those are things that boxy, come. Boxy, right angle construct. Exactly. Like a, a not infinite, way, but a defined area that even even when you go back to remember it, not all the pieces are there, but it's so familiar that it's just more of the feeling that's being there than, mm -hmm. yeah, just crazy dream stuff. So any other notes that you had before we uh, wrap up the podcast? I mean, I, there's, I mean, I think, uh, well... I think time was is also an interesting um, dimension. Dimension that they this is 2010, so uh, we're in 2020 right now, and the world's changing a lot. And did they say in the movie what year that was all supposed to? I mean, we're supposed to think it's, it's 2010. The it's okay. no, I don't think it's supposed. Well, that's because they I had the just, dream machine. Well, is that alternate new. universe? Yeah, that's a good point. Is it in the they, future? But they never say. Actually but no, no other technology was caught up with right, it. Right. Um, so, well, that's a damn good point. Um, but what, 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 I was saying, what other notes you had as far as oh, just time as a popular cultural theme that we're all coming to grips with, but also Einstein, you know, proposed as the, the, what the fourth dimension or fifth dimension, whatever the, I, I can't, I'm not going to go there cause I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> clearly, but time is right now we're focused on it a lot and a lot of shows on, on, on Netflix, uh, dark, uh, or, you know, anyways, Time is something that a lot of people are dealing with now, being limited in their houses. Mm -hmm. um, but also as a culture, we're all trying to deal with the idea of time, I mm -hmm. think. Um, not only the passing of it, but how much has happened in such a uh, condensed right. time. And this movie in particular goes into at every layer, you're still feeling time in different what is it? Levels or dimensions or whatever right. you want to call it. And I think that's, that is an interesting, well, so this is like a really weird place where my brain went, but gravity, time, gravity are completely right. 
together, right? Yeah, now you're bringing theory it of rel- relativity. That's where the Einstein comes Chupa, Koopa. The- no, theory of relativity. Re- that's what time. That's where Einstein. Relative time. It's it's based. It's all subjective. It's relative to gravity. The thing that's pulling on it, the Earth, is right. so we have relative time here, um, which Christopher Nolan also right. addresses in right. It gra- not gravity, but Interstellar later yes. on. Yeah. Um, uh, but Michael Caine's also in that. Um, but time, so gravity in the mind, there's supposedly dark matter in your mind. Mm. Do you know the concept of dark matter? I'm not sure if I do. No one does. Uh, no one knows what exactly what it is, but they know it has gravity. It's like in a, in, a, in a black hole. Okay. But they 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 no one knows what's going on in the mind. Uh, yeah, but they know they 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 theorize that there's dark matter in the mind, and they theorize that dark matter has a lot to do with gravity. So how does Nolan tackle that in this movie? This is all happening in a, in, a, in a mind. Okay. In Leo's mind. Right. So this and dropping in. So going into the depths of the brain, the different levels is getting closer to the depths, the dark matter of the brain, which is gravity. All right. Okay, cool. The dark matter of the brain, which is the center, which no one knows what it is, is gravity pulling them towards the center of the brain, towards the center of consciousness. So every light, So every... consciousness is the gravity that keeps our awareness landed in our own bodies. And you'd say every level you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> you get closer to that. That dark matter, which is related to gravity in that dark black holes have dark matter. I, I this is where you, this is where I, I drop off. I got to drop off and say, I don't know okay. as much, but it, it, dark matter has to do with gravity and and time has to do with gravity. Okay. So here we go. No, he these does. Are, okay, these are yeah. the links. No, but I think I think the listeners and I get your point. Like it's just kind of like that trail towards. So why does time? So why explain. does time in the dream spaces? Why do you, why do you think? Why is time slowing down? Why well, why way, are people less hurt? The way I as saw they that go is into it. Like why is Saito walking around in the second level when he's shot in the first? The reason I saw the the way I the way I interpret the time thing is that you they say when you dr- when you sleep or you dream you really have you know a hundred different dreams mm. during you know one sleep or whatever the number is. They used to theorize and you wake up you. and you wake up and you remember that one dream taking two three hours when really. In your dream, like the way that your mind works when you're sleeping, it really happened in maybe about five minutes. Well, people used to theorize that your dreams would happen in the instant that you woke up. Okay. So back before so we you just remember your last dream. Right, right. So like if I, I wake up and I try to recount my dreams, and but people theorized before we had MRIs and understandings of the brains and how the inner workings while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. they used to think you'd wake up, you'd wake up and have those dreams instantaneously. Yeah. So just, just so you weren't actually really sleeping. You're like in between. Sleep it, the, 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 the dreams weren't happening. So when you're sleeping, time is passing by. Yeah. Your brain isn't just. It's not like code and computer right. where it's just like, here it is. Here's the story. Like it's not uploaded into you. It has to take time. Mm-hmm. Your brain has to take the time to think it out. Sure. Which is what's happening when you're sleeping. So how – like say the average dream. How long do you think that that actually – No idea. Honestly, no idea. I mean the – so I've been in lucid dreams where it felt like I was there for maybe 10 minutes and it was the whole night. Yeah. But that being said, I've also had dreams that I wasn't lucid that felt like days. Cool. Um, 
No, I think that those are the more. It's just interesting. It's just so interesting, and I'm sure anyone who's listening is probably saying, "Well, you know, I've had this. What about this layer of dreams or this level of dreams? We could go all day on." Have this. you ever had a dream within a dream? <sighs> yes, yes. So you know how they. So I, I had this dream. So our back porch where dad keeps the grill and, mm-hmm. and, at home. I had a dream that I fell <coughs> off of that that porch and then, oh, I, you know how, how the theory of, oh, you're falling back and then that wakes you up. Mm-hmm. So I did. I woke up from that dream elsewhere and then I, had, I woke up again after that. So like the dream woke me up because I didn't want to fall and hit the ground. Mm. But then I can't remember exactly where I was when I woke up. I think I was like on a soccer field or something like mm-hmm. that. And that was another dream in itself. Mm. So I have, that's the only time I remember having a dream within a dream, but it doesn't happen very often. Mm. And then when you woke up, so when you woke up from that dream within a dream, yeah. What in your dream, did you think, Oh, now I'm awake? No, because I didn't know how I got there. Right. So you're still like disoriented. Right. I was just more disoriented than anything. Yeah. It's so it wasn't exactly like. The, we're watching it, so it's like very clear, and they have like you know it's physical. They have right. physical representation. Whereas, right? So they did the best they could to like depict a dream. No, so like, I thought it was like a really watching it again. It gets made fun of a lot just because yeah. it tackled some abstract ideas that the guy in the fourth row looked at at surface level, and <laughs> right. then South Park and Sheepshin. Oh, great, great episode. <laughs> I wanted to, I started this, I started watching this, trying to think of like, or, and I tried to Google this as well, how many shots were actually fired in, in Inception itself, because that's a whole joke with it. How many part. shots and bullets? Yeah. How yeah. many rounds did right, it actually right, right, go to? Right. I don't think I've actually ever, other than maybe a couple of the bad guys saw anyone reload a clip the entire time. I think maybe Gordon Levitt does. No, I don't, I, that's a good point. They, like, so they, man, I, I know we're kind of wrapping up here as we're reaching the hour mark, but. Yeah. So they they bring this the scientist who brings Mister Scientist <laughs> who brings like different potions down into different levels of dreams. Yet as they're getting ready to go into the dreams, they must fire of at least each a hundred shots. Mm. But they're not bringing clips down to each one; they're already there. Well, can't they just imagine clips? Well, can they? Why do they need the well, scientist then? Couldn't they, they just imagine him? Yeah, like or like why? Yeah, how does he bring? The next level, like, does he need in that dream space? The right. next level, does he, needs he need to bring to his gear? It? He needs to bring his potions. Really, though, right. like, but the, yet the bullets. I, we could go on all day. That's but, where, like, the the fantastical right. nature of it. That's where you guys going to sit back and be like, all right, this is a movie. Well, but I think that's the point. Which initially, when you did watch it, it was just a movie. It's like, okay, great, that's all stuff. But now that you're actually thinking about it more, dissecting it, the fact that Leo is never hurt, and this movie is kind of the detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Leo get, never gets hurt and even scratched up physically, right? Physically, yeah. and, and and he just looks damn fine the whole time. <laughs> I mean, he just it just uh, it, right. It, it, it ties it, like it's okay, the fantastical element. It, it the what, underlying fantastical elements of uh, right. like reality is just not applying here. Well, I mean, you can say that in any movie. So, but you you're right. As the watcher, you have to be like, what is cinematic versus what is he trying to portray in like a dream? Like exactly. This? And when we first watched it, we just took it as cinematic. Right. But if it begs us to ask the questions of these detail-oriented things, I'm gonna pick it apart and find. You know what, That's what we're doing. That's, That's what the internet's all about. For the listeners, we planned on going 30 minutes today, and maybe some of you dropped at the 30-minute mark, but we if appreciate If you're lucky, you, you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasting. You can always fast forward. 
Um, I think we're ready to wrap up. Yeah, look into dark matter because uh, I can't explain it, but it, it's it's fascinating because everything is unknown. And, yeah, an internet deep dive. Um, so I guess for our first podcast, uh, appreciate anyone who made it to the end here. And uh, I guess our advice, our best advice would be is don't think about elephants. <laughs> don't think about elephants. Time is an elephants. 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 Yeah. Time is an illusion. All those good things. All those good things. It's a Three Dogs podcast signing off. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back with Tropic Thunder. Peace.